Hello and welcome. Yes, we did make it to episode two of the News Talk SSE or Tristy League podcast. My name is Richie McCormick and sitting opposite me is Ushian Langan. Hi Richie and looking forward to the podcast becoming a bit more handsome this week with the addition of former St. Pat's player Damien Lynch. Yeah, it's been a busy week with two rounds of games, some interesting results along the way too and a couple of blockbuster fixtures coming on what I'm going to call Super Friday to follow on from St. Patrick's Day. Yes, indeed. If you want to get in contact as ever, you can tweet us at Richie McCormick or at Oshin Langan. Uh, but now we're going to go around the league in slightly more than 60 seconds. Everyone starts going! Here's the gaffer! Quick! Okay, we're trying to beat last week's four minutes, so let's rattle through it. Stephen Beatty is the real deal. That's according to Cork City manager John Caulfield, who watched the former Bulls and Sligo star score a hat-trick in their 6-0 win over Longford at the Cross on Monday. Now, Beatty didn't start in their 1-0 defeat against Derry last Friday, but in full Hannibal mode, Caulfield says that was all part of the plan. And if there's one thing we know about Caulfield... I love it when a plan comes together. great bit of stuff you know I missed out in the start of the season because the other lads had come in mm. so we said to him last week that he'd play him on the night either way because um, when you would trip from Derry so um, you know great for him to get the goals and all energy player you know totally committed and um, you know that's why the, the fans love him because uh, what you see is what you get Now City were without Greg Bulger through suspension for Monday's win against Longford he was sent off against Derry last week Siri Byrne who was on off the balls Ertrissi League chat on Tuesday night says that Bulger really does need to behave because he is key to Han- sorry, Caulfield's plans this season. He's certainly a player that you would build a team around and by all stretches it looked like that's the way Cork were, were setting up. Um, he's been an integral part of their pre-season and their first couple of games and then he gets himself sent off for something so stupid and I think it's one of these tackles where you know where a player gets beyond you and you clip his heels expecting maybe to take the yellow card yeah. like you know but Unfortunately for Greg Bulger, he's got a name for himself in the league with referees and he's not going to get away with that. He's got to use that frustration um, somewhere else and I think Caulfield has to have a quiet uh, word in his ear and try and get this guy right because if you get him right, he can be a top player um, and he can certainly be um, the key figure for Cork this year. Shamrock Rovers host St. Pat's in a Dublin derby this Friday night at Talla. They're going into that game full of confidence having won all three of their league games so far. Gary McCabe's penalty enough to give them a victory against Finn Harps in Ballybuffet on Monday night. Uh, a game played in tough conditions, as Pat Fenlon said afterwards. Uh, he was, however, pleased with the win and says that they fully deserved it. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I thought we'd a better side. Harris put us in a bit of pressure later on, which you would expect with, you know, win a one nil and put a lot of balls into our box. But we defended really well, and we have done that so far this season. And like you said, we created two or three good chances in the first half, probably to put the game to bed so I was delighted with the performance because it was a difficult night for us. Now not everyone agrees that Rovers were the better side on Monday night especially Finn Harps player Dave Scully who had a bit of a tangle with Simon Madden he says Madden should have received a second yellow for that tangle he'd already been booked previously in that game he also has a view on a penalty that wasn't for Harps late in the match. Yeah I thought like we got robbed like it was never a penalty on there. Madden should have been sent off as well that was one of our players like uh, we would have got sent off like, it was the second. He pushed him. he pushed me like so and then we got a penalty into it at the end, so we should have gave that to even up, but uh, he never did. So, uh-huh. what was your view of that on involving Michael Funston in, in injury time? Yeah, it was the exact same thing. Like uh, he knocked the ball by the player, the player charged him. He knew quite well what he was doing. It's a penalty kick, like you know. Ah! <laughs> oh, Roddy, there signalling the end of our tour around the league and around the week in slightly more than sixty seconds. Oh, I was down this week, though. Doesn't matter. Your timekeeping is appalling. Yeah, but I'm improving. 
doesn't matter. Uh, you need to really book up on those ideas or, you know, we'll just keep it as it is because you're getting a lot of information well, in there. What would good. you have left out of the roundup, so? I would have left it all in. It's fine. Just don't, you know, say it quicker or no, something. No, no, give me your opinion. If there are certain clubs that you don't want to cover and you just want to leave them out of the roundup. You that don't want comprehensive coverage. You're just like the rest of them. Minnows. Absolute minnows. I'm not even going to talk about who I'm talking about there. Uh, but you're giving controversial opinions there, Oshin, And sadly, um, your controversial opinions have landed us in the soup. What? Uh, we're only on episode two and already we've had our first complaint to the News Talk Electricity League podcast. Well, I mean, I knew controversy is all around the league and mm. follows every aspect of the league and is part of every aspect of the league. I thought that we would get away with it. No. Sadly not. Uh, remember last week, you said this. You are, but the roads are p- pretty pathetic. I drove up there recently for a match. and Yep. There's been letters. Oh. An actual letter. First, firstly, who sends letters? You, you mean an email, right? No, I do not mean an email because we never gave an email address and they seemingly would have gotten lost on the way with this one. So it did come on a really heavy gauge yellow paper, I have to say, oh. which I thought was nice. The handwriting was erratic, to be fair. Um, so it's from my mother no it's not from your mother uh, I, I'm in regular correspondence with her but that's for another matter entirely we have had <laughs> our come fir- on come on this podcast is better than mother jokes no, no it's not no it's not uh, if you're going to give out about the state of Rhodes and Donegal we're going to get letters and this is proof I have it here in my hand it was also hand. on the way to Donegal that I was giving out about listen to the gauge on that paper oh, that's that's, that's yeah. a gauge and a half uh, matching the erratic handwriting and I tried to make it out as best I could so to read it dear listener it says Dear Artricity League Podcast I refer to your tirade on the state of the roads on the way to Bally Buffet As a lifelong resident of Killy Gordon and a member of the local council of 23 years standing I feel I must stand up for our proud wee town Our roads are kept in immaculate condition and have been compared in some meetings as comparable to the more affluent areas of North Sligo particularly the stretch between Railway Road and Railway Avenue and up to beyond the old Max convenience store they're in tip-top condition and we hear the envy of those around Carrickna and perhaps even beyond. I urge you to retract your statements and educate yourself on Donegal Roads on the way to Ballybuffet before offering smart, unchallenged comments. Alden Gallagher, proud Killygordon resident. I will take the request for the apology under advisement. I'd say apologise no, to Mr Gallagher here. I refuse. The guy's on the local council. I refuse. You refuse I to... refuse. Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up Google Maps. We're going to go on Street View. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I've got John Delaney. Tell John, me. what do you think? Yep. Stick to your guns. This is what Delaney says. And if there's anybody's opinion on the game you should probably take, it's John Delaney's. If you want to get in contact that, with that us... That counsellor has been the problem child of the league for many years now. Um, Mr. Gallagher, I'm not even going to refer to him by his first name because it shows a lack of respect Gallagher. that you're uh, taking on. Councillor Gallagher, uh, thank you for your letter. Uh, if you want to send all letters, third floor, Marconi House, Diggs Lane, Dublin 2, or you can get us on Twitter if you just want to berate us within the space of 140 characters. What's our carrier pigeon address? I'm sure there's a lot of League of Ireland fans keep pigeons. The roof of Marconi House. Okay. Yeah. But that would get it to Today FM because it's their roof, really. I mean, they say we share it, but really it's They're theirs. They're not allowed on it. Okay. Just because they have class parties up there, they think they can get away with everything. The noise will scare the pigeons if they're having a party. Exactly. No more Today FM parties. More carrier pigeon letters, please, to the Earthrise League podcast. We'll be delighted to hear from you. At Richie McCormick and at Oshin Langan on the Twitter. Well, I did promise that this podcast would get a bit more handsome this week, and that's exactly what's going to happen now because we're joined by former St. Pat's player Damien Lynch. Damien, um, you must be happy with what you've seen in two of the three Saints games so far. They've won two from three having lost the opening game against Galway. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's a very difficult start for them. I think anyone who loses their first home uh, their first match 
it's kind of alarm bells. Yeah, it's the one thing you don't want to do on the first day of the season. And I'm sure with all the changes that have, that have happened there, Liam Buckley was very worried. Um, but I think when I, when I went to the game the other night against Bowes, they were much more sounder in terms of much better defensively. They had a better structure to them. And they were pa- playing like the way Liam Buckley's side normally sets up. They had a good, cohesive play through the middle of the park. And the structure of the side just seemed a lot better against Bowes the other night. And um, overall, re- really impressed with them in, in, in the, over the 90 minutes. Having said that, I, I think Bowes gifted them goals early on, which made the game pretty easy for them. But I think... When you look at the players that have left there this year, the, the likes of their whole midfield essentially has been gone with James Chambers, Greg Bulger and Killian Brennan who would have been there for the last couple of years. Losing them that, them three players and, and having to change them alongside uh, Kenny Brown, I think that's a huge core of your, of your side that you're having to change. Going into a new season, you're really nervous, but... I thought the lads the other night did really well, and, and they moved the ball well, like, like I was saying, like a lean Buckley side who, uh, who's used to flowing football. So that was good to see. How do you think Keith Tracy fared? I was very impressed, actually. I hadn't seen too much of him, and um, he was playing in the holding role, and I think that's one of the things about lean Buckley's sides. They need that player in the middle who's going to link up, and Greg Bulger's done it fantastically well over the last couple of years alongside Chambers last year. And for Pats to play well, they need that guy in front of the back four who's going to pull the strings. And Tracy was excellent. His range of passing was really good. Um, the one thing I would say, he didn't look the fittest I've, I've seen. Uh, this has been an ongoing thing for about three or four weeks. We've heard of Keith Tracy in pre-season and in the first round of uh, first couple of rounds of games anyway. Is that uh, There's a lot of timber going on there and he probably needs to shed a few pounds. Maybe you might see him out wide yet again once he does that. Yeah, I, I, that's the way. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was looking at him. I was saying, God, if he if he could lose a couple of pounds, you know, he'd be really getting around the park. And I think the game suited him the other night because Bowles didn't really have a game plan. They actually sat deep and left Pats have the ball at times, and there was no real pressure in the middle of the park. And for the game that was in it, he was able to get on the ball. You know, he moved it quite well. His range, as I was saying, his range of passing was fantastic. But I think when you come up against the bigger sides, the better sides, the Dundalks, the Corks you need to be a lot more agile and getting around the park. And I mean, It's very early in the season. I'm sure Liam Buckley will work with him on that. But uh, certainly, it's a good start. Um, really like how he can control the play. and he, he has a football brain. You know, I think that's the one thing that Pat's need that they've had over the last couple of years with the Killian Brennans of this world. Someone who can get on the ball and move the ball well. And I could see him doing that um, in, the, in the season ahead. But I just fear in the bigger games when they're a little bit more frantic, can you get around the park that bit more? Has David Cawley in there beside him who's industrious, gets around? And the one thing about Cawley, decent signing. He's 24 years of age now. He's like he's over nearly 150 appearances for Sligo, but he doesn't do enough to influence the game for me at times. I think the game sometimes passes him by. Um, a lot of energy in there at times just to, to sort of hustle and bustle but sometimes I think he just needs to stop running and, and sort of stand still and get the ball played to his feet to try and support Tracy a little bit more so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with the middle of the park as I was saying with them losing the, the three players in Chambers uh, Brennan and Bulger and, and replacing them with Timlin and, and Tracy alongside Cawley like it's a totally new midfield and I think it's going to take five or ten games to get going for Liam Buckley's side and to know what the real St. Pats are going to be like this year When Tracy, when Tracy does get fit do you still keep him in the middle because very often if you put a guy out wide regardless of how skillful he is he mightn't be able to get into the game and obviously Tracy is the kind of guy that you need to have running the show for you that's why he's there he is a cut above pretty much everyone else yeah absolutely I would play him in the middle of the park just looking off the other night um, if he's out wide they're not going to get the ball out to him. Cawley's not going to drop deep and get on it and start pulling the strings and getting the ball out wide for him and I think there's a gap there of someone who can actually do that for them so 
if it was me and I looking at the way they played the other night, it suited him to play in the middle of the park. If he has, if they, would they play with a three in there anyway? So he's two other lads who do the running for him a lot of the time, which uh, the, the lads he'll be grateful for. But he has to be playing in the centre park for me to see any progress with Pats this year. Him in the middle of the park, getting on the ball and, and spraying certain passes around, and he just, as, as you say, Oshin, he's got that little bit of quality, extra quality that isn't isn't in a lot of teams around the league and. The big thing for me now is can you get him fit? Um, whatever it takes, uh, it's up to him as well to put his head down and, and get fit because, you know, it's, it's a taxing league. You look at the likes of Dundalk this year. They've taken, well, sorry, last year and the previous year, they've taken fitness to another level in this league. Um, you, you look at them, they're all, there's, an 11, there's 11 athletes on the, on the pitch out playing against you and you just can't afford to have one player, let alone two or three players who are struggling off the pace. But to answer your question, I think, yeah, it's essential that he's playing in the middle of the park to get on the ball and, and create stuff for St. Pat's because that's the style of play Liam Buckley works off and uh, I think that's what they need in there with, with Tracy. Damien, what's a realistic ambition for Pat's this season? It's an interesting one. I... Previous, I was uh, at the start of the season. I was talking to a few friends of mine or supporters down there, and they were fairly pessimistic about the start of the season, thinking it's going to be a difficult one. But looking around the league, uh, it's an interesting. No one has to pull to have a have a squad together for five years to challenge in this league. You see, Bowes last year did well. The previous year, we look at them dock where they've come from over the last couple of years. So I think a realistic uh, from is European football. I don't see why they shouldn't be aiming for a top three. I certainly don't think they're going to win it. Um, I think they're a long way off winning it. Uh, they, they certainly won't compete with the Dundalks or the uh, Corks, even Shamrock Rovers. Pushing for a top three spot, but probably top five between uh, fourth and fifth in my eyes. What is it that they're missing that won't get them that top three spot in your eyes? Uh, I think they're missing something in the middle of the park. I think Tracy's in there. I think they're missing a the cutting edge, a bit of hunger. Um, they don't have enough fellas in the centre of the park who are going to dictate for them. Like, if you put them player for player against the likes of Dundalk, they, they don't even come close. I, I could see a head-to-head. Dundalk would win probably across eight of the, the 11 positions. Uh, you have Ger O'Brien there, Ian Birmingham, two absolutely fantastic fullbacks, probably the best fullbacks in the league in the last couple of years. And um, I think at the centre, the, backs, the centre-backs as well, the new partnership of uh, Denny and McElhenney, who... I, they were good the other night, but to be honest with you, Akinadi never really challenged them. He didn't get the supply. Um, I could see them coming under pressure, uh, their centre-back partnership. So I just think they're a little bit weak in the middle of the park um, versus the other sides. I think Dennehy's a great signing for them on the wing, Billy Dennehy. He was a very exciting the other night, got on the ball, worked it well, and he, he, looked, he looked exceptionally fit getting up and down. So I think he's a great signing for them. But I think just player for player across, in, in terms of looking at their squad as well, their bench isn't isn't overly strong um, if, if if they're playing lots of games and they have to call on 14, 15 players over a two-week period. I don't think they have the strength and depth that the likes of the Shamrock Rovers or uh, Cork City uh, or the Dundalk would have. And this is a big test for them this Friday night going to Shamrock Rovers who are three from three but they haven't played particularly well so far so it is an interesting game. Yeah, I can't wait. And I'm going to head down to that. It'll be really, really good. And I think this is the game where, where I'll measure where Pats are or where, what the expectations should be. So I think if, next week, if, if you're looking at it, you'll have a very clear picture of how well Pats can do this year. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, they, they just grind things out under Pat Fenlon. There's a lot of expectation this year. I think they have to really push to win the league this year, given the, the setup they have out there, the budgets that they have out there. It's probably as good, as, if not better, than everyone else in the league. And I'm sure Pat Fenlon knows that they're under... Uh, uh, a lot of pressure this year but I think over the years when you look at the way Pat Fenland's sides play they don't necessarily 
light the thing on fire um, every week, but they have a way of winning games, and particularly the first 10 games, even if you don't get up and running, it's all about keeping strong defensive Have they already found that way, Damien? Because last year they had a way of drawing games, and that's what really cost them. It did, yeah, and, and I, I was just looking at um, Rovers, I, I think the big thing for me will be can they get the goals? Uh, I think Killian Brennan going there is an interesting signing. Killian's been a great player in the league. Will he actually bring that little bit extra for them in terms of that creativity to, in, a, in a drawn game? You know, if, if things are nil all or one all going into the last 20 minutes, Killian Brennan's the type of fella who can, who can change a game, and Danny North up top is, is essential. If he can get the goals, um, which, which I played with him at Pats when he came over first. His instinct is fantastic. But it comes back to that question of fitness, not only just uh, fitness in, in terms of football fitness, but he has to make sure he's not carrying any weight. And, he's, and I'm sure Pat Fennham will do that. And if they can keep a, a Danny North fit and uh, going into this year, I think they're on a sounder footing with a few more players they've brought in. I think Malie and, and Drennan will have grown off the experience of last year. And I think I expect more from them again this year to be just that little bit used to the league. And, and yeah, I, I can see them having that little bit more this year in the bigger games. And I wouldn't expect them to draw as many. Um, but certainly they don't lose the mushing very often, do they? And I think that's half the battle when you're, when you're looking at where you are at the start of the season. The first 10 games, you just number one thing is get the defensive shape right. The flowing football will come. Um, what that will look like under a Pat Fennell side probably will be questionable. That, that they, they tend to go a little bit more direct. But if they can keep clean sheets and, and just have that little bit more flair with the likes of Brandon Malley and Drennan, I think they're, uh, they have a good chance this year of being up there and certainly challenging Dundalk for the, for the championship. Damien, if the past week has proved anything and another past uh, two years have proved it that Dundalk and Cork City are the two best uh, teams in the division um, by some distance uh, last season, um, this coming Friday looks like being a hell of a game if the recent results or anything go away. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Um, I think there's a lot more riding on this for Cork than there is mm. for Dundalk. I think everyone's trying to figure out how they've have they have they, the extra players they brought in has that made the big difference to try and challenge because there it looks to be the case already, or does it not? Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a bit of a gap there at the moment. I think. Um, you see that they've already had one disappointment. Fantastic to recover so early in terms of a fantastic win they had off the back of that. Uh, they certainly got used to playing uh, Dundalk last year, and as the results went on, the head-to-heads, they got better and better. Um, Dundalk this year is going to be interesting, though. You've got Tell gone, and they've had a great start. I think their fixture list has been kind enough to them. Um, but you've killed off and Macmillan up top, and you look at the goals Tell scored uh, in some of the big games and, and even in, in some of the more against the lower sides. That's a huge amount of goals to be losing. Um, so I think I, I was actually impressed with Macmillan over the last uh, 12 months where how he actually stepped up and became the centre-forward who was able to he pretty much had everything to his game. He was holding it up. He was running in behind. And he was an absolute handful. And he could actually take on back fours on his own. Um, killed off now as well. Between the pair of them, it's how many goals can they get? Um, I have a slight fear for Dundalk this year just because of the intensity it takes to go on and win leagues. Uh, doing it year after year after year. It can take a lot of toll. I think they'll have a big focus on their European run as well this year. So having said that they've had a great start, I think that might be slightly misleading in terms of there's some tougher games to come ahead and it's an absolute great game this weekend ahead. I can't wait to see uh, to see how it, how it pans out. Now, Steve, if I was the betting man, I'd say it was a draw. 
That's very brave. Um, Stewie <laughs> Byrne was on Off the Ball on uh, Tuesday night, and we heard from him earlier on the Electricity League podcast. He said that Greg Bulger is the key man and can be the key man for Cork City. He added to that he has to be very careful in a disciplined sense because he got sent off last week against Derry he missed the game against Longford through suspension he said that because of his reputation referees are going to be that bit more stricter on him first of all do you agree with that point and second of all do you agree with his first point that he actually could be of all the signings for Cork the most important I would agree with Stewie on that, yeah. He, he's the person in the middle of the park. Where Cork last year were very direct as well. They were putting a lot of stuff up to up those Sullivan and playing quite long. So I think with Bulger in the middle of the park, he's the one who will demand the ball. He'll get on the ball and create stuff for them. Uh, there's no point in signing him and not, not playing the ball through the midfield because he did it for Pats for the last number of years where he got on it, he pulled the strings. As you were saying earlier with Tracy, the role he's going to have to take on at St. Pats. Bulger's been doing that in the league for years and he's probably one of the best, player, best players in the league for me in the, in the last three or four years and if, if I was certainly putting a team together, he'd be my number one in the middle of the park. So yeah, he, he's vital for them. But the good thing about it is, and, and I don't know what Stewie's opinion on it was, but I like the fact that he has that little bit of nastiness about him. Uh, I think a lot of sides lack it nowadays. I think when you were asked earlier about what, what Pats are lacking I think they're they're actually lacking that little bit of nastiness to to just go in and, and really drive home when when things aren't going well be be willing to go in and it sort of sounds like at this stage that I'm, that I'm one of these old guys talking about old football, but you have to be willing to go in and absolutely smash someone in a tackle at times just to set a tone early in the big games. You always have to do that in a measured way that you don't get sent off, and I think that's the the area that, that he sits in. He probably sometimes can go a little bit over the top uh, in terms of his aggression, but if you take that aggression out of him, he isn't the player that, he's, that, he, uh, that he is, you know. So it's a fine line there, and uh, he's no better manager in, um, in Cork to look after him dealing with that. So I think he's going to be hugely important for this year, and that's why I think I was asked, actually asked to tip someone. I actually have Cork down to win the league this year in my head, um, and I think Bulger is one of the reasons why I said that, because I think he's going to, he's going to bring Cork up that, that little bit more in terms of where they were last year, and I think he'll add a different dimension in terms of getting them playing. Damien, if you match creativity, aggression of Bulger, and now the ability to score goals from all points of the pitch as they proved against Longford the other night, Cork really looked like a dangerous prospect. They do, they do, and then you just worry about the, the freak results that they had, um, you know, but they have everything. I think, as I said already, last year they were very one-dimensional. They went quite direct at times. Even when you look in the middle of the park and you had Healy in there with Miller, they were bypassed a lot of the time, whereas this year, having brought in Bulger, as you say, there's there's... there's all over the park now um, there's, there's goals coming in and I think their squad looks really really strong this year so I think it's the, there's a real emphasis this year on Cork having to push between the three it's going to be a top three of Dundalk Cork and, and Rovers um, I, I think if I was to look at the, the, the home advantage that Cork get as well it's a special place when things are going well down there um, and the atmosphere that that can build I think they can really play on that as well so yeah they, they, they look an impressive outfit this year on paper but yet to, to actually deliver on that. I think the first 10 games will be interesting to see how many they actually go on and win. Um, it's very, very interesting to see the comprehensive win the other night. I think that's their best result uh, in the last couple of years that they've had. Uh, so that, that's interesting to see that they're scoring goals, which is probably what they've lacked over the last couple of years. Damien Lynch, really appreciate your time. Thanks for talking to us on the uh, News Talk SSE Electricity League podcast. 
No problem, lads. Thank you. Yeah, many thanks to Damien Lynch there for joining us for the first time and hopefully not the last on the News Talk SSE or Tristy League podcast. More to come from him throughout the season, uh, even if Oshin is determined to call him handsome. And you don't possibly, think I came across as too eager there, do you? Uh, you are a needy, needy individual. I hope I didn't scare him off. Um, fingers crossed, Yavin. Yeah, might take a larger check next time to woo him back. Okay, well, um, two big fixtures this week that really stand out. Look, I know if you're a Galway supporter, you'll say your game against Derry is the biggest. If you're a Bulls supporter, you'll say your game against Wexford is the biggest. If you're a, a Longford, Bray or Sligo or Finn Harps supporter, you'll say your games are the biggest. Longford playing Bray, Sligo playing Finn Harps. But the truth is, the biggest games this weekend are Dundalk against Cork City, that one at Oriel Park on Friday night, and mm. Shamrock Rovers against St. Pat's, that one at um, Tala. Uh, also on Friday night they do not kick off concurrently because one's at 7.45 that's Oriel Park one's at 8 that's obviously Tara and okay I'm trying to take myself out of my mind as a Cork City fan here right. I'm trying to remove myself from that position because they'd be delighted by that as well I'm sure they would but um, I'm trying to decide which is the bigger of the two games if you were a neutral which one should you go to a neutral I you see the problem I have despite the fact that Cork were free scoring this week and beat his hat trick in the 6-0 against Longford and all that kind of thing and you also have their lack of reliability if you lose to Derry uh, this season you know question marks have to be asked about you and last year's games were remarkably tight between these two sides verging on the dour I think Cork now have enough that they can possibly make these games a little bit more entertaining uh, yeah. definitely more competitive not that they needed uh, much more competition there and Dundalk there is that massive Riddler-like question mark over them this season where everybody, I don't think it was in the same respect that they did last year, are questioning whether they can go on and win the league again. I don't know why it's gone from the 1-2 to two to 3-year kind of thing, whereby retaining it doesn't seem to be the big issue. It's the can they, what they used to call in America, and probably still do in some rather more inarticulate parts, three-peat, as it were. Um, but yeah, it's going to be between the two sides again this year. I think if you're looking for the better match, though, if you're looking for goals... And I know you love goals. You love to see that net ripple, that old onion bag bulge. I do, uh, as, a, as, a, as a hurling snob who also commentates on basketball, I do like to see lots of scores in games. From downtown, yeah. etc. Thank you, Tim McCarthy, for that one. I think Rovers and Pats is going to be a cracking game. Um, I think both sides have enough about them that they can play attractive football. I really like to look at Brandon Mina this year, as it pains me to say. Uh, I think Pats themselves are a far better prospect, as we mentioned there with Damien, whether Keith Fahey play, or Keith uh, Tracy, this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, as well. Yeah. Again, the two of those mixed up. Uh, whether Keith Tracy plays again in midfield in that holding role for Pats uh, remains to be seen because this issue of, for players in general, playing two, three games in a week is, is a bit of an ask, especially if you're possibly struggling for fitness in the way that Tracy is scrambling towards slowly but surely now at the moment. So to ask him to play in a, a big game like that out in Tala, uh, anchoring the midfield, not too sure, but I think it will be the more entertaining of the two games. You're probably right. Mm. And um, the fact is that none of them are on TV, which means... It's a damn if you shame. Want to see it, yeah, which means if you want to see it, it means you have to go to it. Do go. Yeah. By all means go, even if it means suffering through... Um, Bowes taking on Wexford uh, as I'm more likely to do myself this coming Friday uh, yeah I think it's going to be a long season for Wexford I kind of get that impression for them but Dan McDonald would disagree and so would their manager Shane Keegan well, who says of that, course um, he would Keegan's a very optimistic guy and I really like what I hear from him but I don't know I just haven't seen enough from Wexford so far this year to suggest that they're not going to be in that relegation scrap towards the end of the season I, I won't lie to you I haven't seen anything but what was on Soccer Republic but Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent told off the ball that he thinks Wexford will be okay it's 
I, we talked about Bally Buffet last week and we talked about uh, Ferry Carrick being kind of polar opposites of, of grounds for teams that have come up yeah. and that Finn, Finn Park is kind of a nice an unpleasant place to go seemingly for teams it's a long journey yada 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 we won't get back into the roads because I don't need more letters but Ferry Carrick is a lovely setup. the pitch is nice down there everything's nice and modern and clean and fresh and teams enjoy playing football on pitches like that and yeah. if they happen to be better sides and they are, you know it's not as if it's 10 uh, 18 teams or whatever level standing in the league everybody is there is a kind of a hierarchy going on better teams will go down to Ferry Carry Park and pass them off the pitch and I think that could happen uh, again this year although travelling up to a fairly underwhelming bohemian side so far this season I think their position in the league flattered to deceive last year I think they benefited from others having poor seasons I think they got a couple of decent runs oh, come together. on they were the only team to beat Dundalk yeah how many times has that been said already this season don't please okay. I'm not even going to get into it but yeah they look a bit one dimensional and if, if it doesn't happen for Akinati up front it doesn't happen at all Curtis Burns wonder goal aside uh, last Friday and special mention for that because that was a beaut Clark wonderful. a beaut it was a wonderful goal but they need a lot more of that they need a lot more midfield and they need to produce more goals I think they're going to struggle for goals this year as I said we will talk about all the teams in detail so not your you... team Minnows <laughs> Sorry, that's not that funny. Um, yeah, but 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 um, I want to talk about Galway United from the eighties. Don't look at me like that. I Galway United in the eighties were a wonderful prospect. I always think back to that Wrangler jersey. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Now the reason we're talking about Galway United in the eighties is because it is Shockton Aguilga. Do you know what Shockton Aguilga is? Um, I don't know it's a nice sandwich Irish language week which is of course two weeks in duration um, it ends on St. Patrick's Day so if you're listening to this on Friday it's not shocked in the Goelga week anymore so this has absolutely no relevance anyway the reason I wanted to talk about um, Galway United and shocked in the Goelga is because did you know this Richie Galway United mm-hmm. once played a UEFA, UEFA Cup game in the Geltacht they did not they did What'd you but but that's how I was building this. But it's kind of been spoiled. You know why? Because they play every game in the Gaeltacht. Well, every home game is in the Gaeltacht. Um, we've been speaking to Sean Bon Brannock, who you'll know from Ornegy and uh, certain bits with uh, TG Cahar. How do we get hold oh, of Sean Bon? We got his number. Did we squeal him up on bubbly in here? Do you even know what that means? Stop disrespecting the language. Sorry. Says Oshin We're going to get letters again, are we? back at the age of 35, learning it, having got a D in Pass Irish. This is what happens when you start going out with Connemara. Pass! Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Um, I'm maybe, not laughing at you. Maybe, maybe this relationship is working out for me because we can't really talk. <laughs> maybe that's actually. Maybe I shouldn't learn the language, and that way I'll guarantee us a long and happy life it's together. A series of nods, blinks, and clicks. <laughs> the occasional, the occasional chat about Galway hurling, and I, I have enough pidgin Irish for that. But um, yes, anyway, Sean Bon Brannock was at uh, that game, but but he was also at. The first leg in Groningen, and Paul McGee scored a penalty in that game. In that Holland? Yeah, in Holland, in northern Holland. It was quite the adventure for Sean Bourne and uh, a number of uh, Galway lads, who he does name, by the way. So, uh, listen do we have to that. bleep this? Yeah. Are we, because we're a podcast, are we bound by the same standards no, of broadcasting? We're not. We can broadcast every, anything we want. We can curse on this, but we won't because yes. it's the expression of the inarticulate. Anyway, so anyway, initially, this has turned into something completely different to what Sean I bon. intended it to be. It was supposed to be a piece about uh, Galway United playing a UEFA Cup match 
in the Gaeltacht because, oh my God, League of Ireland football or League of Ireland team in the Gaeltacht isn't that amazing. Turns out that every game they play is in a Gaeltacht, but we'll talk about that as well. Uh, this was deeper in the Gaeltacht, obviously. Before that match mm. in the UEFA Cup, they went away to Groenhagen and they lost. But Paul McGee got a goal and kept that game competitive. And before we hear from Sean Bombrenach, let's get the Dutch commentary of McGee's goal. But, oh, but, oh, but. I sense a bit. Listen out for the very loud Galway fans and their uh, snack box munching <laughs> screams wow. in the background. Wow. Galway krijgt a penalty. McGee himself gets in with the strafschop belasting. And he scored it as 1-1. Sean Vaughan Brannock, Radio Nagueltic, the legend. I, I initially wanted to talk to you about the game, the second leg in Ungaharua. Yeah. And we will talk about that. But tell me first about that first leg, because you can quite clearly hear in the background someone shouting, Go on, McGee, you beauty. You were in that commentary box. There wasn't too many others in there. So maybe you can identify the culprit, so to speak. <laughs> I have a funny feeling that the then mayor of Galway, John Mulholland, you know, the bookmaker, the better, better. I do. And John Mulholland was there with a few of his colleagues. And they were out there, actually, around uh, the Netherlands for about a week beforehand. And I am sure that was John Mulholland. Because I know that, you know, it's a very small stadium. It holds about, I don't know, about 10,000. Very, very compact. Like one of those old Division Four stadiums in England years ago. But uh, we were all bunched in together in a small commentary box and... It was television, Dutch television, Dutch radio. I was right in the middle doing live for, for, for Radio Miguel. So I know the Dutch producer, when that goal went in, you know, she turned around to John Mulholland. He had the chains on. She said, oh, he very loud in some <laughs> language. Oh, that's nothing, he said. You ain't here. You, you ain't heard nothing yet. If the score not what he says, he'd be jumping out there. And I can imagine all the Galway lads were very quiet going around Holland for the couple of days. They didn't get up to any mischief whatsoever. Not at all. We just went down to um, Amsterdam. You know, Kroniken is in northern Holland. And we went down to Amsterdam. I think there was two coaches of us. And, you know, very quiet going around, buying presents and, you know, looking around. It was, oh, it was really lovely. It's my first time in Amsterdam. I returned a few times later with my wife, but she wasn't on that trip, thanks be to God. <laughs> now, when we thought about doing this piece in the first place, the reason why was because it is Shakhtar Nagualga. Yeah. And I said, well, one of the biggest soccer matches ever held in a Gaeltacht was yeah. this UEFA Cup game. But as it turns out, every single Galway United match is actually held in the Gaeltacht. It is, yeah, because Terryland, Terryland Park, Teelilon, that's in the official Gaeltacht. And over the years, and why wouldn't they, they... They, they got all the grants from Green the Gales. That's because uh, just outside Galway City there, uh, Galway, Terryland, right into Castlegar, where the famous Connolly brothers are from, around that area, that'd be, that area around radius of five or six miles. And that's all official Gaeltacht. So Terryland is part of the official Gaeltacht. So actually they always played on a, on a, on a Gaeltacht pitch and rightly proud of it too because I think it's the only ground in Ireland uh, still where they use uh, bilingu- bilingual uh, uh, fogery and of course Bernie O'Connell one of the one of the great stalwarts of Galway United of ever his son now Cian uh, the freelance journalist but Bernie O'Connell forever 
used to do commentaries for Galway Bay and uh, he was the driving force there in Turnyland Park for years and he forever did all those uh, announcements over the public address uh, bilingual and you know a great man so so mm. that's 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 the history of uh, Galway United and a lot of people don't know or Sheen Fairplay to you don't know it's in the Gaelic book but it is actually that patch of land anyways is in the official Gaelic book yeah listen we've gone a little bit off topic so we'll go back yeah. to it just down the road from where Ornegy is based a UEFA Cup game was held in Ankararua yeah how did that happen well, it happened that, you know, Galway United qualified. They, they played Lingby the year before in another uh, European competition, the European Cup. But this was the UEFA Cup. And, of course, uh, although, although it's funny, isn't it, when you think back, maybe they didn't push that enough. You know, it's a funny that, well, you know, Turdyland wasn't available or, or, or there was reconstruction. There was something wasn't big enough for the facilities. I don't know. But anyways, they tried, of course, uh, to get Pier Stadium. But they were, the, they were the bad old days when you couldn't go near a GA pitch, you know. So eventually, somebody, Carroll, a community pitch in Catherine Rua, Park and Chani, they, they said, why don't you come to Catherine Rua? And uh, people laughed at it. And Jesus, we were absolutely delighted and ready on the girls uh, because it's only up the road from us. And I remember uh, doing pieces with, at the time, with the guy who was very much uh, involved with the youth, national, in the youth, with the youth in the FAI, Aidan Gallagher. And uh, Aidan, as it happens, and it didn't do us any harm at all, Aidan was a native Irish speaker from one of the islands and Aaron Moore in Donegal, and he came down. And I never forget the evening he inspected the pitch because we honestly didn't think there was a hope. And I was talking away to him there, and he nodded his head. He said, "Yeah, Tasha Kart, Tommy Rog, my uncle Oh, we were absolutely aesthetic. We could, we couldn't believe it. The only thing, the only thing, it's a pity. It's a pity the first leg wasn't held. In Caron Rua, because it kind of killed it in a way, mm. because we were Galway Knight were three one behind going into the second lead, and it was the worst day of rain that ever came. And my God, I'd say from them lads from Chronicon, they got out of that coach, you know, and they looked around. They were telling me afterwards that just looked around. And they said, Jesus, where are we? <laughs> and such a bumpy pitch and everything, but it was one massive spectacular occasion. I don't think there'll ever, ever be an occasion like that in the Gales again. Now there was a great crowd added and a great carnival atmosphere, but the rain was there. It wasn't a, a nice day. And, you know, they were absolutely delighted. I mean, God almighty, you know, when you think of it, Galway United has some great players and great characters. And I know afterwards a lot of them went out socialising on Caron Rua. There was uh, Paul McGee there who had played 17 times for Ireland. There was the twin brother of Packy Bonner, Dennis Bonner. Uh, there was um, uh, Kevin Cassidy and, you know, lovely lads. And then, of course, the, the Dutch had some big players. They had Paul Mason, who was an Everton, who was a good player. I think he played for England a few times. There's one particular player there that they were all looking for his autograph because I was doing the match on the first uh, day. And there's nowhere else to get it them days. So they were, they were all latched on to this name. He played, um, on the, he played left wing for Chroniken. His name was Eichelkamp. And he was a blonde. He was a very good-looking fella. And 
all the teenagers were gathering around this blonde fella called Eichel Camp. Oh, he was really like a wizard. I mean, they trashed us uh, badly, the the second one, but, uh, you know, but the atmosphere around it, the build-up to it, uh, it's unbelievable. Those things, that and Sean Mannion, the boxer from Rough Muck, when Raddy and the girls uh, carried the commentary live at 3 o'clock in the morning, they were, I mean, I'd been all over the world at... Yeah. World Cups and Heineken Cups and Olympics and everything, but you know there are two occasions that really would still stand out in my mind as one of the fantastic occasions in my life. And they have two things in common: you did commentary on both, and Ronan McAnimra did great documentaries, TV-wise, on both. Oh, uh, he did exactly, yeah. And the film, I think, there could be something new now with the Sean O'Manion, the Sean O'Manion story. Thanks for uh, joining us. Beautiful to us. What a legend. What a treat it is to have Sean Bonbranock on the SSE or Tristy Lee podcast. Quite a stellar cast we've already amassed in these two episodes so far. Uh, Neil Reardon, Damien Lynch, and now SBB. What an icon of broadcasting. One to which we can only aspire, Roisin Langan. Absolutely. And um, we were talking off air. I know it's kind of frustrating when you talk about the stuff you talked about off air, having played an interview, because then people think, why didn't you just play that clip? (laughs) But we went on a real tangent about how football has never really taken off in that part of the world. And if anything, rugby is now taking over. Uh, Anyway, if you're going to a match this week, I really do hope you enjoyed. Of course, the fixtures going on across Friday and Saturday in the Premier Division. Shamrock Rovers take on St. Pat's, Dundalk v Cork City, Derry take on Go United, Bohemians play Wexford Youths. Those all on Friday night, on Saturday. Longford Town who desperately need a win up against Bray Wanderers who desperately need a win and also Sligo Rovers taking on Finn Harps Finn Harps and Sligo Rovers bumpy start so far uh, speaking of bumpy that's how one might describe the Finn Harps no it's cheap and needless please don't it's cheap and needless that's it's just cheap and needless look Daniel Kelly no doubt will be at that game and uh, we'll get his opinions on how uh, Sligo Rovers are going uh, as I say if we haven't talked about your team yet, we will get around to them. We will do it in detail. I can't guarantee that at all. Uh, lots to look forward to as well in the first division this weekend. We've got three matches on Friday night. Drogheda taking on Athlone. There's a Dublin derby with Shelburne up against Cabin Tealy. Waterford are up to South Dublin as well to play UCD. All of those games kick off at 7.45 and there's a half-six start on Saturday at Markets Field as Limerick, the early leaders and one would suggest favourites for the first division title this year. Much of the chagrin of probably Owen Brennan outside in the office who is a shells man to the bitter end uh, Limerick are at home to Cove this coming Saturday OK that's it for this week don't forget you can get me on Twitter at O'Sheen Langan and where can we get you on Twitter, Twitter Richie? Uh, at Richie McCormick yeah, I don't know your address because I blocked you until next week take care goodbye